welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matthew Ibrahim. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. Their technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Matthew onto the show. So, Matthew Ibrahim, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Matt, thank you for having me on, brother. I'm looking forward to diving in. Uh, me too, mate. Me too. But first things first, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been in the field as a strength and conditioning coach for over 12 years. And in the past few years, I've, I've dipped my hands into academia as both a PhD student as well as an adjunct professor, just looking to help people improve their performance and health. That's uh, short and sharp, mate. So what, what are you doing at the moment? S&C, whereabouts? I'm doing a little bit of everything. So some, some consulting, some speaking engagements, some course education with, uh, with you, know, you guys over at Science for Sport, and uh, teaching as, as a professor at a couple of different schools, Endicott College and Maryville University, as well as coaching some athletes in an online format and some consulting coaching athletes in their home just on a very uh, minor basis. So you're a, you're a busy man, long story short. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> it sounds like it, mate. But for, for today, we're going to discuss calves and uh, why they're important. So can you give us a quick uh, introduction then as to why focusing on training the calves is important for athletic performance? Yeah, man, I'm happy to. I think the biggest thing is what I've tried to look at is, is the, the more time I spend in our field is I think you become accustomed to, okay, what is what is common? What is quote unquote sexy? What, are, what is everyone doing? And, and I think it, it wouldn't be a lie if I were to say everyone focuses on force production, rate of force development, explosiveness, power. And yes, absolutely, we need those to have our athletes become strong, durable, and powerful for sports. Those are absolutely necessary. What I try to look for is I try to turn over every stone, maybe some stones that people aren't looking at, like slowing down and absorbing force and decelerating, or the calf and the foot. And so if you think about jumping, landing, sprinting, like locomotion uh, in a nutshell you need the lower leg, which consists of you know the calf muscle, the Achilles, the ankle, so on and so forth. You need that area to be strong and durable and to withstand the rigors of sport, loading, stress, volume, uh, managing volumes, tissue tolerance, tendon uh, integrity, and so on and so forth. Your foot is the first thing to leave the ground when you jump or when you sprint because sprinting and running essentially is a plyometric drill. And then when you land, it's the same thing. Your foot is the first thing to touch the ground. What has a great impact and effect on that is the strength of your calf musculature and your lower leg in a nutshell. So to me, I think it's an area that people often uh, uh, kind of glimpse over. And there's this notion of, well, the old school mentality is bodybuilding. Only bodybuilders need to have strong calves. Well, no, everyone needs to have strong, durable, functional calves to have uh, healthy ankle joints, healthy feet, plantar fascia, and a functioning ankle joint that can land, cut, decelerate, accelerate, sprint, take off, so on and so forth. 
So that's uh, super comprehensive. And uh, what I want to get into is why then the anatomy of the lower leg and foot is is unique. Um, and how does that then have influence on how we start to train uh, that, that area? Mm-hmm. So when you look at jumping, for example, right, there's, there's a lot of literature and science on jump land, uh, jump landing tasks and drills in the literature, et cetera, et cetera. We often think of, oh, wow, the glutes, right? The, glute, the glutes are the big, powerful muscles, and obviously those are involved in sprinting and jumping. And when you talk about sprinting and accelerating, decelerating, the hamstrings come into play, and you know, then, then you kind of have the neighboring groin musculature, et cetera, et cetera. What often gets ignored is this calf musculature. When I talk about the calves, we have to understand that, that this is referring to the triceps surrey. So we have the gastrocnemius, the, the Batman of the group, the big, sexy muscle that it shows when someone does a heel raise, it kind of pops. You can see it. It's, it's, it's superficial on the surface. Then you have the soleus, which is deep and underneath and kind of a little below the gastroc, which is kind of the Robin in the situation, Batman Robin. And unfortunately, the soleus doesn't get as much love. But we know in the literature uh, by the PCSA, so the physiologic cross-sectional area of the skeletal muscle that is the soleus, a lot of research and literature has been done on that. And this muscle essentially is one of the most strongest. uh, It's built for force generating capabilities and capacities, meaning we should be using it for power and explosiveness. And it's going to be used for power and explosiveness in sport and athletic demand. So why not train it to then be prepared for those demands in sport? So to me, the soleus is a powerhouse muscle specifically in the lower leg, that we need to understand the anatomy of it and how to train it. So we know with when you take the tricep surrey or what's often referred to as the calf muscle, you can really directly load the gastrocnemius muscle or quote-unquote the Batman of the two in a standing position, whereas the soleus needs to be loaded with roughly 60 degrees or more of knee flexion just based on its anatomy in a seated position or you can kind of be in in this knees bent uh, heel raise position. And there are a variety of ways to load things. I think, number one, just start up body weight. Then you can increase range of motion uh, through elevated surfaces Then add loads of various sorts, dumbbells, uh, SSB, kettlebells, et cetera, et cetera. But the number one thing is we have to load these and respect the, the anatomical features of each of these muscles and how they aid in the injury reduction of the Achilles tendon where we need the tendon of the Achilles to be stiff, right, certain level of stiffness for elasticity and um, to work in concert with the muscles, but also jumping, landing. We want that that quality of stiffness. A good, healthy ankle is associated with strong plantar flexors. That Those are the triceps surrey muscles. So uh, you look at all of the injuries associated with Achille- Achilles tendinopathies. That's kind of an umbrella term that has been respected and brought to light in research that highlights all the tendinopathies with an I and an O and tendinesis. So if you just say Achilles tendinopathy, that's understanding, okay, all of the Achilles-related injuries, they're associated with lack of uh, ankle range of motion, uh, lack of strength in the plantar flexor muscles, which are the triceps, or we just talked about those, right, gastroc and soleus, and so on and so forth. So we need those areas to be strong to ward off and kind of stiff arm the chance or risk of injury, but also to be really powerful, explosive, and durable for long-term athletic development for athletes. This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market, developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless 
portable and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. So how does then the, uh, the joint as such then lead to that kind of the need to train, uh, the need to train them the, the lower leg in a different way? Is that, is that then very different to the, to what you'd look at in, in your hand, for example? I would say so. Yeah, a little bit because you think you look of think of the demands, right? So we're on our feet when when we're moving and you know going through locomotion, we're we walk on our feet. We don't walk in our hands, right? And in, in I guess in old times, I guess we would if we crawled. But having upper body strength is certainly important. Wrist, elbow, hand strength, absolutely important. But I'd say that if we're going to be demanding our athletes or requiring them rather to jump, to land, to cut, to turn, to pivot, to sprint, right? to stop on a dime. So the acceleration, deceleration, reacceleration continuum, that puts a lot of stress stress on the lower leg, the calf, the Achilles, the ankle, so on and so forth. So having that, that area be strong and durable and have the tendons and the tissues be ready for loading, it, that, those capacities are really important. So to me, I look at it like, okay, what are the boxes I need to check off in the strength and conditioning or the training realm that will put my athlete in the best position to be strong and successful in sport and mitigating and reducing the chance of injury. And to me, the missing link is directly loading the calf area. We look at people want to talk about the Nordic, when they want to talk about the Copenhagen and so on and so forth with, with respect to the hamstring loading and adductor or groin region loading. And I'm all for that. I, I am team Nordic and team Copenhagen, but we can't forget about the calves as well because we need to be directly loading those at some point and one point or another in our training. So for me, what I suggest is once to twice a week hitting the calf region. If you can get twice, twice a week, great. Spend one day on uh, gastroc, one day on soleus, and the Achilles will benefit from both. If you only get one day a week, try to hit both in the same day. And that, that brings us really nicely onto the next question, right? So how, how then should we train uh, our lower leg musculature. When when you've got the world of S and C in front of you, there's obviously tons of options. So how how then using that knowledge of anatomy, how do we then train those muscles for optimal performance? Totally, a great question. So to me, so kind of like we alluded to a little bit before, know how to load the soleus. So we need about uh, sixty degrees or more, roughly, of knee flexion. So seated positions really work well, or uh, standing, but the knees need to be bent, or you can load up the gastroc in a standing position. So number one, know your positions, right? And the, again, the Achilles will benefit from, from both of those. You can, you can definitely hit the tibialis anterior with some other um, iterations, but to me, the most important are the, uh, are the backside. So the gastroc, the, the soleus, and Achilles. So standing in seated positions, number one. So know your anatomy, know your positions. Number two, start out body weight, just regular body weight. Keep the reps and sets and the dosage at, at, at a, you know, a very a good rate. And then from there, you can play around with different programming considerations. Do I want to add external load or keep it internally loaded, right? Body weight only, or do I want to add some external resistance via dumbbells, bands, et cetera, et cetera? Do I want to have regular range of motion where it's just the, to the floor and back down to the so up from the floor and down to the floor? Or do I want to elevate on a surface to increase range of motion? Do I want to add a different stimulus through a variety of, of things? Do I want to add uh, you know, an enhanced eccentric component? Do I want to add an isometric component? There are so many ways you can play around with things. The simple thing to me is just load. Get some strength training involved. You can do standing heel raises, seated heel raise, elevated range of motion, 
add a kettlebell on top of the thigh for seated variations. If not, if you're doing standing, add a kettlebell or dumbbell on the other hand, and so on and so forth. Do you want to go bilateral, which is a little bit easier? Do you want to go unilateral, which is a little bit more challenging? So you have to kind of play around with these um, different programming considerations in terms of loading for strength. Loading for power, a great implement and a really simple one is the pogo. So pogo jumps bilateral and pogo hops uh, unilateral start out in a very similar fashion. So start out nice and easy. We have extensive variations of pogos where, hey, I'm getting comfortable with the stretch, the stretch shortening, uh, the, the reflex. I'm getting comfortable with, the, with that reflex and getting comfortable with that movement pattern, nice and slow and controlled. And you're trying to develop a rhythm, coordination, and a pattern. Those are uh, extensive pogos where you're looking at the stretch shortening cycle, essentially. You're trying to get accustomed to it. Then when you want to become explosive and you've already harnessed the skill of a pogo and stiffness, then we're going for mass, maximum height and vertical displacement. That's where we're going really high and powerful, and it is in the name, explosive. So start up bilateral, extensive, nice and easy, then advance to uh, bilateral, explosive. These are all body weight. Then, again, play around with programming considerations. What is the compliance of the floor that you're working on? Is it really compliant and it has a little bit of give and bounce to it? Let's say, for example, um, like uh, like the gym tile floor or even a better example is probably turf. It has a little bit of give and, and, and um, compliance to it. Or is it stiff like concrete where there's really not compliance there at all? So play around with those. You can play around with uh, bilateral, which is easier, versus unilateral, which is more challenging. And if you want to load it, I like the variation where you have the bands, resist, resistance bands off to the side. From the ground and you're holding the bands for a little bit of resistance you're, you're jumping against the banded resistance you can do that you can also go with dumbbells and hands you don't need to go heavy here 10 15 20 pounds maximum really is a good range and from there start out extensive go to explosive start up bilateral go to unilateral and then unload it to load it and so on and so forth that's uh, absolutely fantastic and when you when you then look at the difference between uh training for strength as such, and then training for uh, speed or power. Um, how does coordination play a role in that? Are there, are there key differences then between those two different movements in terms of how the the foot functions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so, Matt. I think that coordination is something that you want to have in all of your movement patterns. I think the biggest thing is building a certain level of strength that has direct transfer into your ability to be explosive. So being really strong and robust and durable is great, but if you can't transfer that into power, uh, power explosiveness or rate of force development and force production in sport through explosive capabilities, then it, it's really all for naught. And so coordination is a very important piece. And there are a lot of drills in strength training where you, know, you do the, the regular, the typical strength training where you're looking at um, HSR, right? So heavy, strong resistance, right, in the research where you're just loading it very heavy, strong, and it's controlled resistance. There's a tempo involved. You're getting strong. Then how do we transfer that into, okay, now I need to demonstrate these force generating capabilities and capacities that we talked about a little bit earlier based on the anatomy and the musculature of the lower leg. Then we can start implementing some pogos. And those, the hope is that those will, all those drills and skills and qualities will transfer into stuff that's more task oriented for sport, like jumping, landing, cutting, um, dunking a basketball, being able to jump up, uh, high enough to jump and, and dunk the basketball down and so on and so forth. So I think there's a continuum we need to respect that become nice and strong and durable and coordinated in our patterns and then introduce some of these power explosive capabilities. Start out easy with the extensive, kind of get used to the drills 
develop a rhythm and coordination there, and then exploit that coordination by becoming explosive with some of the more powerful type of derivatives. Absolutely brilliant. So when, when you're looking to apply this uh, as such, um, can you talk us through a case study as how, how you've done this before um, using some really specific examples? So going through maybe uh, a progression of a, of a couple of weeks to a month uh, or a training mm-hmm. cycle uh, so that mm-hmm. you can really put this into context practically. Absolutely. I think my favorite muscle in the lower leg is a soleus. So I'll use a soleus example. I uh, had an athlete a couple years back dealing with just some, again, w- this is under the umbrella of Achilles tendinopathy. Their Achilles tendon wasn't feeling great, okay? There was no specific injury to it. Uh, there wasn't any sort of catastrophic or, or traumatic injury. There was not, no history of ankle injuries. This, this athlete uh, was a high-level endurance athlete, and she ended up performing at Kona and, and, and placing on the leaderboard. So she was an absolute stud of an endurance athlete. And so, you know, think of all the volume and the mileage of the running she's doing. And, you know, hey, my Achilles tendon, ah, behind my ankle, it's a little bit, ah, it's a little tender, a little tender. And if that's what we're hearing over and over again, let's load up initially with some heavy isometrics, right? So that analgesic effect to calm the tissue down. And isometrics do a really good job at uh, building some load tolerance in a non-threatening position. So I'm seated on a bench. I have a moderately heavy kettlebell on one of my legs, the injured or affected side. Let's say, let's say it's the right leg for this uh, particular athlete in this case study. Uh, let's call it, you know, 40, 50 pounds. All right, put that kettlebell right on the top of your right leg just, just before the uh, patella, right, that kneecap, and raise the heel and hold that there for two sets of 30 to 45 seconds. Okay, great. If, they, if, they, if she responded good, all right, let's bump that up next week to let's go with maybe three sets. And then the following week, let's bump that up to maybe 45 to 60 seconds. 60 seconds is usually the cap for me. And this is at the end of a workout in your accessory or, or auxiliary section. It's not going to be the main lift, obviously. And, okay, we're slowly strengthening. Now, maybe I'm going to introduce an increased range of motion here, and I'm going to have that foot propped up or the, the front half of the foot propped up on two DC blocks or something that's about four inches off the ground. Now what I want you to do is use a specific tempo. I want you to go down for three seconds. I want you to go up for three seconds, then isometric hold at the top for three seconds. Let's perform maybe 12 to 15 reps, similar weight. So 40, 50 pounds, somewhere in that range. Okay, let's get two or three sets again. A couple more weeks go by. Oh, wow, I'm feeling good now. The Achilles are feeling a little better. I can ramp up my running volume a bit. Okay, great. Let's actually stay in this position. Let's continue to load that soleus. What I want you to do now is seated pogo jumps, not often seen in the literature or actually in our field. You're sitting down, your butt's on the edge, so you're leaning forward, right? And you're just doing pogos. You're just essentially hopping up with your toes coming off the ground. It's very lightly loaded, but you're getting accustomed to it. Build some tolerance. Let's get 30 to 40 reps. Let's do a few few sets. Now I'm getting some of those, what we talked about, those coordinated or explosive capabilities. It's coordination now. It's extensive. It's not really powerful yet. Okay, great. Do that for a couple weeks. After that, Take two dumbbells, or maybe if you're just doing that one side, you can do that one side, or maybe let's do both. Put a put a small dumbbell or kettlebell, call it 10, 15 pounds, maybe 20 maximum on, on the top of each thigh, secured by your hands. Now perform those pogos. Be explosive. Pop up off the ground. Get off the ground. Get off the ground. Get off the ground. Now we're going through the strength, the loading, the tempo, the tissue tolerance, the, uh, the tendon stiffness and loading tolerance. Now we're exploring some of those pogo abilities and stiffness. Extensive first, explosive second. After that, wow, let's get to standing. Okay, yeah, my Achilles feels good. We can introduce all of those same things, but add a little bit more 
challenge and difficulty. Maybe you go a little faster. Maybe you go for a little bit more explosiveness. Maybe you add a little bit more volume. The whole time respecting the healing and the tissue process as it gets comfortable with loading capacities. That is super comprehensive. I really enjoyed that. Massive thanks, mate. So before we run out of time, what I do want to do is ask you the most difficult question that we can think of. And that is, what is the one thing that you see or do differently, which the rest of the world can learn from? To me, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing is trying to uncover and exploit an area that people aren't focusing on. And, and for me, that's, that's the calf region. That's the lower leg region. That's understanding, hey, you have to directly load this in your training program. Yes, we can squat. You're going to directly, you're going to get benefit indirectly from lower body training, single leg and, and, and so bilateral, unilateral for the calf and lower leg. Absolutely, you're going to. But you need to directly load it to directly get it strong in, in, in practice. And that's what we just talked about. In addition to that, then take that and transfer it to uh, applications that will, you'll see and want in sport and the qualities and demands you want in sport. Now we can do some of those decelerating, slowing down force absorption drills, and then from there, carry that into your acceleration explosive drill. So to me, it's the biggest thing is turning over stones that others are missing. And to me, that's calf, direct loading to the calf region and focusing on deceleration force absorption drills, which will directly impact the athletic development of the athletes you work with. Absolutely fantastic. Matthew Ibrahim, massive thanks for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much, buddy. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Matthew for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. And in particular interest, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, will be Matthew's lecture on there, Looking at the Calf. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to check that one out completely for free using the link in the show notes. So in just a few seconds time, all you need to do is click that link, get in for free and check out all of the information that Matthew has on training the calf. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button that helps us to bring you the best quality guests possible. And of course, means that you won't miss out on next week's fantastic episode. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.